0: This episode of Back to the Point is brought to you by Alumni and Family Week at BC High. If if you, listeners, haven't already checked out uh, what's available for Alumni and Family Week, which runs from November 18th to November 25th, you should check it out. We've, we've got a few emails that have come across um, about it, but there's also information on the website. There's a turkey trot, a, a virtual turkey trot. There's guided meditations or spiritual offerings, there's a virtual Thanksgiving mass. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, apparently, there's um, workout videos that are uh, being provided by the, the trainers at BC High. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, so log on to bchigh.edu. Check out Alumni and Family Week. There's a, they've just done a great job with it. They, they really have. I mean, it's there's a lot of cool stuff going on, and it's all accessible, um, you know, virtually, which, you know, right now, that's, I guess, what we have to do. So, Alumni and Family Week at BC High, going from the 18th to the 25th, so by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be in full swing. Uh, go on there, check it out, register for some stuff, uh, join in. Um, I'm going to do the turkey trot. I decided that right right now as I'm talking to you I'm gonna do the turkey trot I always I always try and find one turkey trot to do around Thanksgiving so that this is the one I'm gonna do so um, yeah go and check it out Alumni and family week at BC High 18th to 25th good stuff all right today on the pod we have Stephen Fulton who is a member of the class of 1983 a parent of members of the classes of 2025, and 2026. Uh, He's the deputy director of Boston Catholic Charities, and he's a newly minted trustee at BC High. Uh, And he and I had a great conversation. I had a lot lot of fun talking to him. Um, We kind of talked about, uh, you know, what it's been like kind of getting onboarded to the board of uh, trustees, what it was like to get that, you know, get that call and um, what he hopes to kind of bring to the board. Um, and then we talked a lot about his story, you know, where he's been, where he is now, where he's going, um, and how BC High figures into all that. Uh, so it was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, as always, reach out with feedback to me, uh, to BC High, to any of us and let us know if there's anything you want to hear um, or things we can do better. we're always, we're always. We're open to growth, you know, we're just, we're just staying open to growth. Um, all right, Stephen Fulton, here we go. All right, welcome to this episode of Back to the Point. Uh, we are here early on a Thursday morning um, and we have the great fortune of sitting down with Steve Fulton from the class of 1983. Um, he's the deputy director for Catholic Charities of Greater Boston um, and uh, we're excited to have him on. Steve thanks so much for joining us today.
1: No problem I'm glad I could be here Rick. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh no excited to have you. So um, I should mention kind of at the outset that uh you are one of the newest members of b c high 's board of trustees
1: correct all right, I'm one of the newest members, and I believe I'm the only one with current uh students
0: oh yeah oh, cool yeah, and as I should mention also that you're a parent of uh, of a couple of students right now at b c high yep um so let's start with that let's start with the the board of trustees so um you were, you recently kind of tapped to to join the board. Um, Can you talk us through what it was like uh, kind of getting the call, so to speak, and uh, getting onboarded so far with the board?
1: Sure, Um, surprised, Um, surprised and thrilled. Um, A classmate, Tim O'Donnell, who was previously on the board, um, reached out to me sometime late in the summer um, or, or early fall. And was, he had seen some comments I had made on a, on a chat board of, for the diversity um, conference that BCI had run uh, um, this year. And was like, they were looking to recruit and he wanted to know if I was interested. It was sort of that simple. We had a, then had a few conversations and here I am. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, was, well, I always, BCI is really important to me, always was. Um, and it's funny, it's really important to my kids. Well, not as much as I would like it to be at this point. Um, (laughs) somebody had asked, Well, you know, did your kids want to go here? And I'm like, Well, yeah. Um, I gave them a choice and you know, regrettably they one of them chose the wrong school, but they're they're BCI. (laughs) (laughs) There's like you got the wrong choice. But being on the board, the onboarding has been phenomenal. The communication has been phenomenal. Um, Grace is just, you know, she is totally on top of it. You know, it pieces flow. Um, her, um, secretary, executive secretary, Jane McCarthy is just amazing. Um, very responsive. Um, any questions I've had, um, they've been able to answer. Um, and basically they understand that, you know, being as new as I am, there are questions. I probably don't even know what I need to ask. So they've, (laughs) Sort of flooded me with more information than I could have imagined. Um, I have a, quite a bit of homework to do, um, but it's been good. Um, I was appointed also to the Mission and Excellence um, Committee, as well. Uh, was a Mission and excuse me, Mission and Identity um, mm-hmm. Committee, as well as the Academic Excellence um, Committee. So it, it'll be nice to start, you know, working on those subcommittees because that's how how the board works. I mean, it's such a, a body, it just makes it easier to work in in smaller groups. Mm -hmm. Um, looking forward to moving forward with that and, um, sort of launching right into the middle of their phase one of their strategic mission. Um, they're doing a strategic, um, planning, um, project for the next five years. So it's really a good time. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm really lucky to be here at this time in the, um, where, where the path is, is going.
0: Gotcha. And, and, as you're kind of, you know, entering at this, uh, planning phase for the strategic plan and things like that, I guess my question is twofold. What are some of, what are some of the things that you hope to kind of bring to the table or achieve, um, as, as a board member? And I guess the, the second piece of it is, um, what, from your kind of background, which is where we'll kind of go next, what are some of the things that you're um, you're bringing to the table from your background and some of your thinking uh, that you hope to uh, bring to bear on the decisions that the board makes?
1: Uh, two-fold questions or too early in the morning.
0: I'm, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I can back <laughs> it up.
1: That's all right. <laughs> um, so, I'm hoping from my perspective, I've been my whole career has been spent with social services, working with homeless housing, um, affordable housing units and stuff like that, as well as the work I'm doing at Catholic Charities now. So bringing in that um, service component and making sure that that's prominent in, in the vision of all our children, in, in the vision of the school. I mean, it's there. It's written in the mission. It's what they want to do. Um, and I just want to make sure that it, it's it's prominent and it's there. Um, the other one um, is, as, as the program, as the school goes forward, um, diversity. You know, obviously we had the whole Black at uh, BC High, um, uh, Instagram, and, you know, as well as all the national unrest that happened this year. So it's caused a major issue. Um, and there is a strong commitment to one, diversifying the board, which is what they did. They did very, very well, um, but not diversifying the board and making us all tokens. I mean, they really, they were, they were um, careful and cautious with it, and they really, they, they did it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a strong movement um, to, in, to basically, they've adopted one, but now they want to um, implement a strong DEI um, policy. Um, for the school and um, diversity, diversity, inclusion, and education and so i really that's something that's near and dear to me, my heart. Um, you know, in 1983, when I graduated, there were two African Americans in my whole class, <laughs> um, so it wasn't as diverse as um, as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, you know, I went from 79 to 83, and that was during busing, so it, it was a tough time in Boston. But I knew at PC High, I didn't feel, never did feel not included. Never did did I feel not part of the community. Um, It was hard for some points, um, and I just want to be able to make sure that that feeling of inclusion, that feeling of community, um, is there for all our kids, Um, as well as the fact that you know it's a school that becomes accessible. To all the different kids, you know, within the, within Boston, within wherever we need to be, um, that's that's a balancing act. But you know, it's it's a good school. It's a great school. Um, there's a lot of good things that can be out of it. But it's you know, some people look at it still to this day and go, "Oh, that's that's not for me. It's out of my reach." But I making it working with the board, working with the school to make it known that this is a school that's accepting and welcoming and appropriate for all, all kids.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, that makes a lot of sense and, and important. You touched on <clears throat> the work that you're doing now with the Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to go there next. I'd like to, I, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, you know, just the work that you're doing right now, what Catholic Charities is doing, um, you know, uh, things like that.
1: Sure. Um, just as a, you know, I, I think I'm supposed to do, pretend I met you at a bar, so I'm going to give you an interest, interesting anecdote. Sure. Um, way back, um, Catholic Charities, the big thing Catholic Charities did was they um, did adoptions. They don't do adoptions anymore. My parents were foster parents. Um, they were foster parents for about 12, 15 years. They had um, 72 kids that came through. You know, they would stay for a little bit, I was child number 68, and I'm the only one that didn't leave. <laughs> so, it's, so it's interesting that you know these many years later, I'm actually, here I am, I'm working for Catholic Charities. Amazing. So Catholic Charities Greater Boston is the largest social service agency aside from the state in Massachusetts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have, in normal times, um, about 270 different programs at 75 different sites. Um, that includes food pantries, case management for people to help them get rent assistance, utility assistance, adult education programs, child care, homeless shelters, as well as um, I'm missing one one big one it just it just went out of my head. Oh, uh, refugee and immigration services, uh, a real uh, a host of Lawyers and case managers to work on refugee and immigration um, programs and other ancillary stuff goes on. So my role, current role, I'm the deputy director of Greater Boston, and that's the largest portion of um, Catholic Charities. So I I personally, I oversee four homeless shelters um, in Dorchester, Roxbury, um, Newton and Somerville. I have oversee three pantries in Somerville, Greater Boston, and Dorchester, and three adult education programs in Dorchester and Jamaica Plain. And then this this whole basic needs department, which includes um, HIV services, um, case management, different things like that. So we just to give me an idea, our pantry on a, our, our pantry is on a, on a normal year. Um, distribute probably 2 million pounds of food a year to over 100,000 people. We we set up this thing in, in a way called the Choice Pantry. So mm-hmm. people would come in, get a ticket, blah, 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 check in, and then go down into our basement or, or wherever the pantry is with a shopping cart mm-hmm. and be able to choose what they wanted off of the things that were there. Um, you know, it, it was just a humane and compassionate way for people to not, you know, to, to keep dignity in what, in what they were going through. We never asked why you were there. We don't ask you know, your financials. All we have to do is get your name and your address and then we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, since the pandemic, since March, we've had to pivot. Um, so we've had to re- go away from that choice pantry to sort of a grab and go situation. Mm-hmm. We have people in the background, stuff in bags, and then you come in, show us your ID, get your ID, and then we hand you a bag of food, not, you know, not the most, not the best way that we would like to do. But since March alone, we've distributed over a 1.75 1. million pounds of food. Amazing. Um, we have at One of my, one of my shelter, one of my pantries, close to 200, 225 people come in a day. It's first thing in the morning, they're lined up and in, out, and out. It's, the need is just, it, it's unbelievable. And now with, there was the, the eviction moratorium that we had going across both the nation as well as in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. that's been lifted. Um, so we don't see any end in sight um, for the amount of need. Aside from the need to the pantries, um, the, our shelters have been full. And we've done the best we can. We've had to sort of depopulate a little bit so we could adhere to social distancing. Um, but there's people still you know, in need of shelter. Um, all of my teachers, I have about 14, 14, 15 different teachers. They immediately started working from home in March. And so we have over 500 um, English as a second language learners anywhere from the age of 19 to 72 who are taking classes daily either on their phone on a tablet on anything we can do we we've been my teachers we go around we figure out what we do we're moving money around left and right any sort of donation we can get giving somebody a tablet so they can learn doing their classes on their on their you know their phones it's it's been it's been tricky and so in the midst of all this when everything's breaking down my pantry is ramped up and have been staffed daily my shelters have been staffed daily, and my teachers, even though they're not going in, are working. You know, even more so. You you know what it's like to work from home. You work yeah. more hours when you're at home than when you're in the office. Yeah, definitely. So, in the midst of all this, Catholic Charities is still you know operational, and we've done you know for the as well as our childcare. All our childcare centers have opened. Wow. And they were closed for about a month or so we did some deep cleaning we did some moving around of things and then boom they're open
0: 100% incredible
1: it's 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 pretty amazing it's pretty amazing what they've done um, it's 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 rewarding to know what we're doing um, at the other time ta- other times it does get a little frustrating and maddening that we need to do what we need to do for for our people
0: yeah no i can imagine that that's a tough Tough to navigate. One of the questions that I asked Grace when I spoke, to, sure. uh, when I sat down with her at the beginning of this year was, um, along the lines of, what What will you remember most of the uh, so far? I should say because we're not quite out of the woods yet. But in dealing with the pandemic and all of the challenges that come up, what's What's something that you're going to remember years from now? Something that inspired you? Um, you know, from all of this, that that will stick with you for a long time.
1: It's tough. Um, I think, no, I don't think, I know. I have been stunned at times about the outpouring of donations and the outpouring of compassion. Um, In the midst of the negative rhetoric we hear in this country, in the midst of the violence and the civil unrest and everything that's going on, you know, even now with this whole presidential campaign, in the midst of this, the amount, the outpouring of donations and people calling and asking, you know, what can we do? How can we help? Has been phenomenal. Um, as one of the harder parts of, of staffing is being there for the intake for the donations and the calls. And, and the, it's and that, you know, that has been tricky. We've had to bring on extra people and we, you know, we lost a few volunteers because of the situation. But that to me is, I think will stick with me that here we are in the middle of all of this mm-hmm. and people are still there giving and wanting to help and be in the help. It, it's very similar. I, I, when I think about it, I relate it to, you know, and you're, you're not old enough. <laughs> uh, the blizzard in 1978 in in Boston, everything shut down, I mean, mm-hmm. just everything shut down. But, you know, a day later when it stops snowing and your snow is up to your second floor and everything. Every neighbor was out there helping each other. Everybody was sh- shoveling each other out. You're going to this. If you got a sled and you can make it, you're going to the store and you're picking up for your neighbors. It's, it's, we come together. We, we do come together at that point. Um, we don't, we don't see political party. We don't see this. We don't see, we just see a, a neighbor in need and we help. Mm-hmm. And it stinks that you have to have a pandemic or you have to have an emergency to have this come out of people. But it does. And it's sort of, it's reassuring that it does come out and it's there.
0: Yeah, no, that, it's good. It's a hopeful message. I mean, to see, to see people uh, linking arms and and standing together kind of against this for sure. Um, So I want to, now I want to, I wanted to go back in time a little bit and, (laughs) um, you know, oh, talk me. a little bit about um, your BC High story. So uh, let's, let's talk about how uh, you came to set foot on Morrissey Boulevard in 1979.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, what brought you there? And, and uh, kind of how, how did that part of your story begin?
1: Um, okay. Um, I was, as I, I mentioned before, I was adopted. I was adopted. Um, but I was adopted by an all-white Irish Catholic family in Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I went to, my family sent all my, all my siblings, my older siblings, they all went to um, St. Yeah, Anne's in Reedville. Um, and so I went through St. Anne's in Reedville, um, just like my brothers and sisters. And for eight years, I was the only African-American in the school. So okay. It's just sort of the way it was. Um, when it came time to pick a high school. Um, I chose BC High because nobody else in my class was going there. I just wanted to sort of, I, it, it's, it's a weird way, but I did. I mean, I fell in love with the place. Um, and I was under the impression, I've always been under the impression that, you know, acceptance is going to be based around people being intelligent. And I knew that this was where the most intelligent kids were. So I went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. Um, I, you know, like most kids, I sort of floated around for a couple of years trying to figure out where exactly do I fit what what works, what doesn't work. Um, and I was able to really experience athletics, experience the academic part, the service part, as well as the extracurricular part. So I really felt like I I could float in different in different aspects. Mm-hmm. And it worked out because through that, it. Turns out know, that that was what a college wanted. You know, they wanted to see they wanted to see a well-rounded person. It was like, well, I, I did that. I was an editor of the paper. I was a tra- captain of the track team, and I had some good grades. It's like, hey, it worked. <laughs> um, but it it was, you know, I I don't I don't want to say I fell into it. It was just sort of maybe you know the opportunity was there, and I, I grabbed at it, and it was great. Um, and you know, sitting there, when I was talking to the juniors a couple days ago, I was trying to think of like, you know, the couple aha moments. And I still remember my freshman religion class with Father Phil Pusateri. And he went on and, you know, he talked and, you know, a bunch of fresh-faced freshmen, we don't know what we're doing. And he's like, just want to tell you that, you know, you're going to get a lot of dates, you're going to get a lot of names, you're going to get a lot of details, he goes... I don't care. He goes, if you don't remember them, he says, the only thing you have to remember in your whole, in this class and your whole life at BCI is grandma Pusateri says, be a good kid. And it was just like, wow. And I still remember, I mean, I still remember the class, him saying that. And I mean, years later, he, he actually, <laughs> he was an officiant at, at my wedding. So oh, <laughs> it, how cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, But I just remember that. And it's like, that to me is just like high in a nutshell. It's like, here's the important stuff. And then they just whittle it down to the real important stuff, the real core of what you need to be, to be seen. And, you know, even now, you know, I'm away, but, you know, talking with different partners who maybe have some interns or the kids come out and they do a service project here or something like that. I can't tell you the number of times they say to me, oh, I know when they're students, I know when they're from BC High and when they're not. They just know where our, that our kids have it. Um, and I was lucky enough to go through BC High, and hopefully I have it. Um, I ended up, you know, it, it was just, it was a good experience. Um, there were some tough times, um, but you got through them. And, you know, the tough times make you who you are. Um, so I was able to, you know, I got out of there and went to Harvard, um, did about a year and a half there, um, and then just recognized that I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be for college and it wasn't anybody, it just wasn't ready. And it's interesting, I look back at my, uh, I have two sons now in the Urupe division. Mm -hmm. And they are probably have better study habits than I had by the time I graduated. See, The work that they're doing with them is absolutely amazing. Um, So, you know, I I did Harvard and um, when I left for a little while, um, I was actually able to access the BC High alumni network. Um, I went to work for a gentleman who owned a company that did social services for adult uh, affordable housing programs. Um, and the program, the, the affordable housing project I worked in was owned by another BC high alumni, (laughs) Joe Corcoran. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of like, Oh, okay. And then I worked on another couple of Corcoran properties and it sort of just sort of piqued my interest as social services. This is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I didn't do the 20 years at general dynamics or anything like that. But set off across, you know, I worked in Oregon, I've worked in DC, I've worked in Maryland and, you know, and, and Florida and a couple other places doing social services and able to support myself, support my family. And, and, you know, when I lay my head down, I actually feel like I helped somebody today, which is a good feeling. It's a good feeling. And, and it's interesting, it just, to go back, I'm sorry, I had a, a guidance counselor mm. who, Um, I was really scared, not scared, but I was getting really nervous. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm a junior, I'm going to college. I have no idea what I want to do. And the guidance council was just like, chill, just relax. Um, and just sort of experience what's going to happen and then just go with your passion. And it was just like, oh, okay. And you know, that was Jerry Toland. I don't think she's there either. Um, but it was like that, the, that little conversation just sort of turned me around to not have to worry. And I know that, you know, I, I see my daughter's a junior at another school mm-hmm. and I can see her just starting to gear up and get really nervous. What am I going to do? You know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's inhuman to ask the kid at 16, 17 years old, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I, you know, I'm sitting here now wondering what I want to do for the rest of my life and <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, it's not fair. So it's like to get them to relax and get them to sort of embrace and enjoy what they're going through and experience it is, that's important. And I think that that, you know, as, and I'm sorry, I'm wandering around. No, uh, no, this is great. As I think about the pandemic, that's the thing that bothers me the most. I mean, VC High is normalized, things as much as they could for the kids mm-hmm. um but it's still it's not normal there's a lot of kids th- there's so much more that they miss yeah and you know regrettably they don't know they well I don't know if regrettably thankfully they don't really know what they're missing mm-hmm. um but my myself my wife you know our friends we recognize what they're not getting and it it does sadden me For sure. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I completely get you. uh,
1: Sorry if I'm wandering around.
0: No, 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 no. (laughs) Look, we're just, we're, we're we're just talking. So, um, you mentioned, um, a little bit about how you've had a lot of experiences in in different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Florida, DC, you mentioned kind of different places that you've been, um, I won't do a two-part question because, it, as you said, it's too early. But I guess I'll start, I'll start with this. Um, you know, can you, can you talk a little bit about some of those experiences, some of the things that you did in, in different, different parts of the country?
1: Sure. Um, so I did just go through it. Um, resident services were here. So that's um, working in with, with the, with the um, affordable housing people, mm-hmm. housing mm-hmm. residents. Um, helping them set up after school programs and um, giving them rental assistance programs and then connecting them with whatever community services that they needed to do, whatever sort of resources in the community they needed. Did that here. And when I moved down to Baltimore, um, I took over their different programs. So there were 11 different sites that they worked down there. So I oversaw those 11 sites and then moved on to working for the Baltimore Housing Authority. And oversaw their Section Eight program, and Section Eight is a—I don't know—people don't know—it's a federal program where um, low-income folks receive vouchers um, to live in different properties, um, and they get the voucher and recertify every year, show that they have an income level at a certain point, and then they're only responsible for paying thirty percent of the market rent, and then the government picks up the rest. Mm-hmm. Did that for a number of years, um, and then we wanted to come home. I got married. We got married at the time. My wife actually works in the same field, different different organizations, but we sort of do the same thing. So we had um, we had made some plans to come back to Boston. It was you know time the big dig was finally over, so we were ready to come back. <laughs> You skipped the hard part. You skipped the hard part. Uh, That was the motivation, I think, to leave town. Uh, (laughs) It was crazy. So the big dig was over, and we decided we're coming back to Boston. And I got a call from a headhunter, and we ended up in Portland, Oregon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Took a wrong turn, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Took a left at Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and in Portland, Oregon, I was able to work for the city of Portland and oversaw their um, affordable housing management uh, pro- program. And you know, it it was a little it was different, a little different. It was a little more um, of the nuts and bolts or or the um, the bricks and mortar rather. It was sort of putting together financial deals um, to build program to build buildings and things mm-hmm. like that. It was a little different than I wanted that not that I wanted but a little different than I had done. Um, mm-hmm. but it was extremely engaging and extremely, you know, just, it, it was very eye-opening. Yeah. Um, and so putting that together, but then, you know, after the bricks and mortar to work with the different agencies to ensure that the service, the, the service component of these projects was there for our, for the residents that were going to move in. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point we'd had a couple kids and I made a call to, uh, a friend of mine at BC high who was working in admissions. I said, what's the feeder school? We found out what the good feeder school was and we packed up the three kids and headed back to Boston. Um, Put my kids in um, St. Mary of the Hills in Milton and um, got ready for them to go back to BC high. Um, The the work was a little different in each place and sort of focused on affordable housing, Mm -hmm. um, service components and stuff like that. but the thing that's interesting is the people and the need and is, is the same, whether it's on the West coast, whether it's over here, um, you know, obviously in the West coast, they don't have to deal with the snow issue. Um, but it's, the need is the same all across the country. Um, people are struggling. People were struggling. They continue to struggle. It it, it was tough. Um, Mm -hmm. When I came back here, I worked for the state for a while and was um, director for their um, what's called emergency assistance program. And that's the homeless program, homeless shelter program for families. Massachusetts is the only state in the country where if you are a homeless family and you meet a certain criteria, which is, you know, money, the reason why you're out on the street and stuff, we will give you a home. We will give you a shelter. Not exactly a house, but, you know, a shelter. So I did that for about two or three years, and I have to tell you it was it was tough. Um, we would have we worked in dTA offices we would have fifty to hundred families a day coming in saying that they needed shelter, they needed something, um, but our capacity would only really allow us to let you know five, ten in a day. Um, I mean, we had <sighs> We, we had metal detectors at the front of our doors. Um, I had a couple other um, guards, armed guards, that were spaced around the building. Um, all of my staff got walked to their cars with, with you know, armed guards. And as the director, I had one that was stationed outside my office all day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it was just, you know, it, it was horrible. I mean, yeah. it was good work. It was it was good when I could help. It yeah. was good when, but it was just it was really tough to see that level of need, that level of despair, and then you know basically say no.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I left there, and actually for a um, for a blip of time, I started teaching. I have a master's in education too, so I, I had just <laughs> given up, yeah. and I started I, I started doing some substitute teaching and started to take take my tests. Then I was going to go that way.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: got a call from a, a colleague um, at Catholic Charities. There was, um, there was some. they were looking at this position and wanted to know. And so here I am now, you know, four, three, four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get to say, I don't really say no to anybody. Someone comes in the door, we go, what do you need and how can I help you? And here's some food, here's some medical supplies, here's, here's a resource here. It's so much better. <laughs> yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. you I mean, just help. And that's just, it's just, it, it's so much better for my soul. So much better for my family life. Just so much better just in general to not have to, you know, I mean, what I had to do in that position, it needs to be there. I mean, there need, that needs to happen in our world, regrettably. I'm just happy I don't have to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, no that that that'd be a tough position to be in. Was- uh, I, I I
1: so
0: I have I have two remaining questions that I want to ask you. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the first question is um, how how did your time and your experiences at BC High um, shape your worldview or or how do they continue to shape your worldview and your approach to the work that you do today?
1: Man, for others, um, even way back then, um, yeah. it, I did, you know, when I was at BC High, I did um, what was called, they had a team teaching um, class and they did for about a year or two uh, with Peter Skipper, who used to be there. Um, and then there were a number of service opportunities. I did some Peer mentoring, you know, so I got used to doing that and that didn't seem weird. It was like, this is what you need to do. This is part of who you are, part of what our identity is as a BC High student. So I did it. Um, When I left, when I left BC High um, and fell into working with people, you know, working like I'm doing the social service aspect, it just sort of clicked. I'm like, oh this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what has been instilled with me. This is it." Mm-hmm. Um, and then just sort of going from place to place. Um, yeah, here I'm, I'm working in Oregon and I am putting together the financials to build this multi-million dollar building. But in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, w- where are the services going to run out of? Where, how, is this going to be accessible to the people we need to? So. It's always been, it's instilled that, that understanding of what's the real reason we're doing this? Where's the basis of, and how is this going to affect the people that we're, we're building or we're doing this for? Um, all the way up till today. I mean, obviously, it's, it's like, you know, how does the pantry flow? Are we getting the services to the people? I got a program for you, but do you have, you know, do you have the tools and the technology to, to get and receive what we're giving you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that directly came from from what I was taught at BCI You know and uh, you know lack of a better term. I would say what was drilled into your head at BCI <laughs> um, But it wasn't as negative. It was that this is just what it is. You accept yeah. it or you don't
0: yep. and
1: I have accepted it fully embraced it and still live it to this day
0: um, Last question uh, what, what advice would you give to any students who are listening right now, just in general about, um, you know, their time at BC high, their careers, you know, just in general, uh, you have, I know that you spoke to the juniors recently, but if you have any advice that you'd like to share, um, to, to a broader audience, um, you know, we'd love to hear that.
1: Sure. Uh, I think I've, touched on it before. Take advantage of every opportunity that you can at that school. I mean, unlike other schools, BCI, it, there are so many opportunities to, to dabble, to, to, to just go where you want to go. And the teachers and the administration are so accommodating that if there's perchance something there that you don't want or you don't see, mm-hmm. they'll help you put it together. Um, so use the most of your time at the school. To just embrace and and try out everything. Um, it's, when you get older, it's it's so hard. All of a sudden, there's a job and there's there's this bill and there's this obligation and there's that, and you don't get to grow and you end up getting sort of myopic in your view of how the world is. I mean, use this time to to just really explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only other thing I can really say, I mean, there's other things I was gonna say. But the other important thing is recognize the alumni network that you're about to enter into. Um, I have never seen a network that is so willing, um, so accessible and just willing to be there. I had remarked the other day, one of the jobs I had taken here um, in Massachusetts, I was, it was a startup, um, doing a startup Um, technology center and I wanted to put together a program just some sort of program to raise some money and had an idea and I called a friend of mine it was an old classmate by the name of uh, Dennis Lane the author Ah. hadn't talked to Dennis in maybe a decade I had seen him at a couple things but I hadn't talked to him so I just gave him a call I'm like look I I just looking I was thinking you know if you come out maybe do a talk to the kids and you know, he, he's a big author, he's, you know, maybe raise a little money and everything. And in like two phone calls, he was like on a plane and he, he came out and, you know, all of a sudden I went from this one little thing to this, you know, and then BC High, they opened up the doors for me so I could do the event there. I got the jazz. It, it was just, you know, boom, 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 it just fell in. And that was the understanding that you're from BC High Mm -hmm. this is what you do. You help out, you give. Mm -hmm. And he was an employee, he was an alumni and that'll be there. That'll be there for them. And that'll be there for you students when you get out. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just take advantage of what you have and then really acknowledge what you will have as an alumni and, and go for it.
0: That's great. That's great. Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning No problem. Uh, To talk with me today. I really appreciate it. This was excellent. I had a lot of fun. And, you you know, uh, I hope to meet you in person sometime soon.
1: I hope so, too. Thanks, Rick, a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care.
0: All right. That wraps up this episode of Back to the Point. Huge thank you to Steve Fulton for swinging by, spending time, uh, and sharing a little bit of himself. That was great. So thank you so much. Uh, Thanks to Michael Bryan who made it all possible. Um, Thank you to the fairy pod mother Kristen Brophy As always for her wizardry In the podcast world And thank you to all of you for listening This will probably be our last pod Before Thanksgiving So on behalf of myself um, And the Back to the Point team I just hope that uh, you and yours Have a uh, safe and restorative Thanksgiving. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you after that. Have a good one.